Amen, amen. You guys ready for the word of God today? Come on, you guys can do better than that. I don't know what type of week you had. I don't know how stressed out you might be right now. But the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. You guys have a reason to praise the Lord today? Amen. So give him a shout of praise right now. Come on. Amen. Amen. Just remain standing with me as we read the Word of God. But before we even read the Word of God, I want to just remind you guys here today that we're getting into this brand new series. And every year we talk about the subjects of hell and demonic spirits and all of that. And this year is going to be a little different because I was praying and I said, Lord, I want to bring this to the table because I read this verse in the Bible, in the book of James. Many of us know it by memory. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. It doesn't say he might flee. He maybe might know. He says he will flee. It's a promise from God. There are two promises in that one verse. The first promise is the devil will flee. Can you imagine your life if the devil would flee right now? Just imagine it. Imagine the peace you would have, the joy, the victory, if that devil decided, I'm done with you and I'm out. And that word resist means where whatever the devil tries to throw at you, has no effect on you. So there are two promises the Bible says here. One is the devil will flee, and the second promise is this, you can resist him. And I don't know what the devil's using lately in your life to bring you down, to discourage you, to really mess you up, but I'm here to tell you today, according to the word of God, you can resist him. You could hit a point in your life where whatever the devil tries to do has no effect on you. You can resist them. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now. Remind them. Preach it for me. Say, you can resist them. You can resist them. I know the devil doesn't want you to know this. But as I brought this before the Lord, I said, Lord, I need to teach our church how to resist this devil that I believe is in our lives right now. And the Lord just impressed on me this idea that if you want to understand and defeat your enemy, you have to understand first his strategy. A strategy is a plan of action designed to achieve a goal. Do you believe today Satan has a goal? Do you believe that behind every goal of his there's a strategy? So if we understand the strategies of Satan... We can be better prepared to know what he's trying to do so that we can resist him. See, a strategy is the art of planning and directing during battle. And the Bible says that we're in this battle. And we're in this battle between two spirits. And if there is a battle going on, which there is, it means that the devil has a strategy, a plan to accomplish the goal that he has for your life. To seek, steal, and destroy. So then it came to my mind and I realized what the Lord was teaching me. To teach you guys this month on the strategies of Satan. Because if you can understand his strategies... You can live with great resistance. And if you live with great resistance, the devil must flee. And then you have victory. You guys ready for this series? We're going to learn all the strategies of Satan. With just one verse, Exodus chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. This is when Moses went to Pharaoh. We know this story. And he says, let my people go. But you know that we read this story all wrong. I want to go back to my Sunday school teacher when I was eight years old and say, hey, what's up? What, what were you thinking? Because 
The Bible says, we tend to believe that Pharaoh said, no, I'm not letting them go. No, those are my people. And we, we tend to believe that he was stubborn, right? But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Moses went up to him, says, let my people go. And what did Pharaoh say? What's the first phrase? All right. I never realized this, but the Bible says that Pharaoh was okay with it. So let's read this. All right. Go ahead. Pharaoh replied. I'll let you go into the wilderness to offer your sacrifices to the Lord and your God. But don't go too far. Don't go too far away. Now hurry and even pray for me. With that in mind, let's pray. Father, bless this word. We talk about this strategy that Satan uses to defeat us. Give us freedom and the power to resist in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. You see, Pharaoh gets a visit from Moses and Pharaoh actually says, all right, go. You see, for, for 400 years, the Israelites were in bondage. And this is found in the book of Exodus. The, the word exodus just means to depart, to get out, to, to literally exit. So for 400 years, the people of God were in bondage. They were enslaved. They were tortured. They were suffering. They were not only in bondage, but they were oppressed. And there was such a heavy burden placed on them. And there came a point within these 400 years that they wanted a change. They wanted freedom. They wanted to live in God's promise. They knew they were the children of God, but their lives did not match that. And they got tired of the bondage. They got tired of the oppression. They got tired of the burden. And after 400 years, they prayed to God. They cried out to God for help. You see, I want to ask you this question to start off this whole series. And I want you to think about it deeply. I want you to ask this to yourself. What burdens do I carry today? What burdens do you have right now? You thinking about them? Is there a burden in your marriage, your family? Is it a financial burden? Is it a burden in your health? What burden do you carry? You'll be surprised. You can walk into a church just because you see someone with their hands up and they're crying and they're worshiping and they're saying, God bless you and amen, brother, and it's good to see you. That doesn't mean that their life is free from anything. It means that sometimes we're just good at covering up the burden. And maybe you walked into this church today and there's a burden in your life. And that burden transfers over into oppressing because the Bible says that they oppress the children of Israelites, the, the Israelite children. And that word oppress means to put pressure on. So not only do you carry this burden, but you're being oppressed with all this pressure that's messing you up emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. You're oppressed every day. And maybe... There's some of you here that don't only have a burden to carry. Not only under a lot of pressure. But maybe today, you're in this place. And you're just tired. And you're asking God, why don't you change things? And I'm tired of the way that I'm living. And I have burdens to carry. And I have pressure that makes me miserable. 
And some of you have been in this church a long time, and I don't know, maybe you're here for the first time, but there are things in your life, not only that burden you and put you under a lot of immense pressure, but some of you are bound. You're just bound by things. And there came a point that they cried out because they wanted out. They wanted an exit. They wanted an exodus. So I want to know today, how many of you are here today and you say, I want out of this. Have you come to church today because you want a change in your life? Are you reading the Word of God because you want God to do something different? Are you desiring freedom today? Do you want to live in the promises of God? And are you just tired and you say, Lord, I just want out. Has love burdened you so much? Has the oppression been so intense? And the burden of life just hit you so hard that you're bound. And you're just crying. And you just say, I just want out. You'll be surprised how many people just want out. I just want out of this job. I just want out of this marriage. I just want out of this depression. I just want out of this anger. I want out of this lust. I want out of this discontentment. I want out of this debt and financial burden. I want out of these habits and addictions. I want out. So many people like the children of Israel are just crying because they want out. They want change. They want freedom. And this is the children of God. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean you're walking in freedom. There's a lot of burden, oppressed, miserable, born again, saved Christians in the church. And it might be you today. You're saying, I just want out. As I read this, I said, Lord, wait a minute. 400 years? You know what bothers me when I read this story? 400 years. 400 long years. 400 generations. After generation, after generation of bondage, of burden, oppression. And what bothers me is that I read it and the Bible says it's like they cried out to God and God came to the rescue. And I ask myself, wait a minute, God, what if they would have cried out the first year? Would you have come and rescued them? What if they would have cried out after five years? Why didn't they cry out sooner? That's my question. Why didn't they just cry out sooner to God? Because when you read the Bible, they cried out to God. The the Bible says that God heard their cry and He rescued them. See, I want to know what took so long. Because some of you, you're taking long to cry out to God. He's ready to rescue you. He's ready to deliver you. He wants to set you free. But you have chosen to stay in your burden. Can I get a witness today? You have made a decision to stay where God doesn't want you to stay any longer. 400 years. And I said, why and how? Because after 400 years... Someone said, guys, why are we doing this? Someone said, are we the children of God? Someone had to speak out and say, why are we allowing this burden in our lives? Hey, why don't we all just get together and cry out to God? Something might happen. And it did. Some of you are in bondage today. Because you want to be. And you haven't cried out to God. You haven't told God truly, I'm tired of this. I want out. I want to live in your best. Your freedom. 
let someone stay in bondage for so long? At first I thought it's because it was a generational curse. That's what I think sometimes. I say, well, remember this is 400 years. This is a lot of generations. So I thought maybe they stayed in bondage because in their mindset, they said, listen, mom and dad went through this burden. Grandpa and grandma went through this burden. Great grandma and grandpa had this burden. And then so, this has always been in our family. We've always been slaves. I can remember down the line in my family, from this person to that person, my great, 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 great grandfather, he was a slave and they were a slave. And we had slaves all of our lives. We had slaves all throughout our family. So some of us stay in bondage because we believe in a generational curse that God cannot break. So you tell yourself, my father was an alcoholic, his father was an alcoholic, and his father was an alcoholic, and that's why I'm an alcoholic today, because it just runs through my family, and we're angry, and I'm an angry person, because my mom was an angry person, and her mom was an angry person, and anger just runs through our family, depression just runs through our family, sadness just runs through our family, addiction just runs through our family, but why don't you be the generation that's stops and says, I'm tired of my generation suffering. And I thought maybe they accepted it because of the generations behind them. I don't care who your father was. You have a heavenly father that can break the chain of generational curse. And then I thought, no, that's not it. Maybe they just got comfortable. Let's be honest, we're in the house of God. Sometimes we can get a little comfortable with our bondage. I've met people that are comfortable with their depression. They say to me, oh, I, I, I manage it. Manage it? Yeah, I manage it. God doesn't want you managing that. He wants you to exit that. I'm just mad. Sometimes we get comfortable in our sin. We get comfortable in the life that we know doesn't honor God. And maybe the Israelites got, just got comfortable. Like, look, we don't like it. We don't agree with what Pharaoh's doing. We hate our lives, but it's just the way it is. And they went back home and they had their families and they made babies and they had their life and they worshiped God. Listen, that means that the Israelites got so comfortable that they were burdened on the outside and went back home like nothing ever happened. And maybe that's you today. But still, that's not why they were in bondage for 400 years. You guys want to know why they were in bondage for 400 years? And I believe they could have cried out sooner. You want to know? Yes. I don't think this side wants to know. Yes. All right. Exodus chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Pharaoh, he said to his people, Look, the, the people of Israel, now they, they outnumber us. They are, say it with me, stronger than we are. This is Pharaoh talking. We must make a what? Strategy. A plan. To keep them from growing. You know the devil's Desires to keep you from growing? Because he knows if you keep growing, you're going to become stronger and stronger and outnumber him and overpower him and flee and live in victory. That's why it's dangerous for you to come to a church like this because you will grow and you're going to mature and maybe he's done as quick as others, I know. But he said, I got to keep them from growing. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape. See, he says, I want to keep them from growing and keep them from freedom. So verse 11, this is the plan. 
For the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. And they appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down by crushing them with labor. The Israelites didn't know it. See, this is why they were in bondage for 400 years. For the same reason you've been struggling with the same sin, the same pattern of living, the same destructive habits and behavior, the same setbacks, the same addictions, the same problems. This is why you want freedom, but you don't get freedom. You desire freedom, but you never live in freedom. Because the Israelites never realized that the very people that were oppressing them, they were stronger than. The very people that were burdening them, they outnumbered. And I'm here to tell you right now, one of the strategies that the devil uses to defeat you and keep you in bondage is to keep you from the reality and the truth that you are stronger than the thing you're facing right now. You are stronger than the enemy. You are stronger than any addiction. You are stronger than any sin. You are bigger than what you think you are, but the devil tries to stop you from noticing that. You're bigger. You're stronger. But see, all the devil has to do is convince you that you're weaker. You're not good enough. You'll never change. You'll never make it. And I'm just going to burden you. And I'm going to keep burdening you until I wear you out. And that's why so many people in the church have stayed in bondage. Because you have worn yourself out. And you say, I'm just tired of praying. And I'm tired of trying. And I'm tired of believing. And I just go back to my life. And I go back to my sin. And I go back to my bondage. And I don't think I can do this. And I'm not strong enough. And the devil says, that's right. You're not strong enough. But the truth is... You're stronger than what you think. But the Egyptians had to convince the Israelites that they were more powerful. So that's why today there are so many people who live in bondage and burden because you have allowed yourself to accept this demonic lie that you are not strong enough to overcome that very thing that's overcoming you today. And for 400 years, maybe someone said, hey, we should do something. We should get out of this. We should fight them. And then someone said, no, they're, they're too much. They're too big. We're not strong enough. Oh, you're right. And they went back to it. And maybe another generation came and said, hey, maybe we can flee from this and get to the promises of God and be the God, the children that God has called us to be. And then someone had to have spoke up and said, no, no, you're not strong enough. Go back. Let's go back. You'll be surprised how many people are in the church today. And they have convinced themselves that they're not strong enough to flee that very thing they have a desire to flee from. They want a way out. But because of generations and because of comfort, you've convinced yourself you're not strong enough. So all Pharaoh did was psychologically convince them that they would never be strong enough to defeat them. And if you accept that lie today, you're going to be the generation that dies in the bondage that God wanted to set you free from. And your generation after you will look back and talk about the bondage you were in. What a legacy. Say, well, Pastor, what do I do? I, I feel like I want out. I, I want freedom. And, and I'm convinced that I'm not strong enough. Acts chapter 7, verse 34, talks about 
the people of Israelites. God says, I have certainly seen your oppression. I have seen the oppression of my people. See, they didn't realize that in those 400 years, God saw them every day. God sees you right now. God sees what oppresses you. In other words, God sees the pressure you're under. The burden that you carry. You're not alone in the areas of life you think you're alone in. He sees you when you're down. He sees you when you're crying. He sees you when you're alone. He sees you when you're afraid. He sees what you're afraid of. God sees you and your oppression. And he says, I even heard their groans. And I have come down to rescue them. Now go. For I'm sending you back to Egypt. This is the story of Moses in the book of Acts. And you're probably wondering here today, well, Pastor, I know he sees me. I know he's an omniscient God. I know he's everywhere at once. I know he sees my pain. I know he sees and I know he hears. I know he hears my prayer. I know he hears when I cry out to him. I know. That's what's frustrating, to know that God sees and God hears and yet God does nothing. Why? I know that God sees your pain. God sees your sin. God sees your bondage. He hears your cry. He hears your mourning. He hears your sadness. And yet you're still in bondage. And here's why. We read in the first verse that Moses went up to Pharaoh. And said, let my people go. Just like Acts said, he sent Moses to Egypt to say, let my people go. Let them go free. And as Moses went back to Egypt, and he looked at Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. Pharaoh had no problem with it. He wasn't mad. He wasn't afraid. He had no problem whatsoever with letting them go free. You know the devil right now operates the same way. Because notice what Exodus 8.28 said. He said, go ahead. I'll let you go. I'll let you give sacrifices. I'll let you pray. But here's the strategy. He says, but don't go too far. But don't go too far. Say that with me. But don't go too far. You see, the strategy that Pharaoh had was the same strategy that Satan uses. The devil has this strategy for bondage. That you have to learn today. He has no problem with us going to church. He has no problem with worship. He is a worship leader, by the way. He has no problem with praying. He has no problem with you serving God. He has no problem with you reading the Bible. It bothers me when we're going to church and pastors say, Oh, I know the devil's mad today because we're praying and we're worshiping. And the devil's laughing saying, I'm not mad at that. Oh, the devil's mad. The devil ain't mad. He has no problem with us today going forward. He has no problem with us driving. He had no problem. Somebody thought the devil tried to get me because I, I snoozed. No, he didn't. He doesn't care if you're in church right now. Some of you sang so awesome during worship.
worship, you say, oh, I know the devil's mad. You prayed so awesome, you say, I know the devil heard that one and he's crushed. But let me convince you today. The devil doesn't care we're here right now. The devil doesn't care that you stand with Frankie. He doesn't care that you're listening to Pastor David. He doesn't care that you're online listening right now. He doesn't care that you're listening and praying and worshiping. He doesn't care. As long as, you ready? You don't go too far. In other words, go ahead and go to church. Worship, pray, serve, sing, shout, fellowship. But don't you go too far. See, the devil doesn't care we're doing this because he knows when it's all said and done and over, you're going to go back to him. The devil knows you're not going to get far from your sin. Hey, you're not going to get far from your bondage. You're not going to get far from that addiction and habit. You're not going to get far. So go ahead, worship, sacrifice, pray. Do all of that Christian thing that you do on Sundays. Go ahead, but just don't go far. I need to know that you're going to come back. I'm still going to have control. I'm still going to have dominion over your life. I'm still going to have you and rule you and be in bondage over you. See, what the devil doesn't want is you getting far. He doesn't care that you're worshiping as long as he knows he can get you back. So today, there's a lot of us that you worship and you pray and you go to church and you've been saved for years, but you look at your life and you haven't gotten very far. You're struggling with the same thing you struggled in the 80s. In the 90s, I haven't gotten very far. What happens? Oh, it's the church. It's the pastor. It's the people. It's this. It's that. It's never you. The devil says, just don't go far. So we have many of God's children who I'm convinced love Jesus. You're in the church. You're praying. You're fasting. You're giving. You're worshiping. You're serving. But you haven't gotten far. You're stuck. You say, man, that's me. Because the strategy of Satan is don't go far. Just stay far enough where I know you're going to come back. So you leave church today and you're back to sin. You leave church and then you're back to pornography. You leave church and you're back to your anger. You leave church and you're back to your lust. You leave church and you're back to your, your hatred and jealousy and envy. You, you leave church. You watch, oh, what a great service. But what good is a great service if the devil is bringing you back? And he says, oh, you didn't get that far. This is a strategy of Satan. He never gets mad. When worship and sacrifice are being made. Because he knows. They'll be back. Am I preaching to you today? Oh, you'll be back. That's a cute song you sang in church today. You'll be back. Oh, that when you said amen, oh, that was cute. You'll be back. Oh, you joined the ministry. You're serving now. Oh, hospitality. Oh, awesome. You'll be back. That's why I've seen some of the best Christians go back. Some of the people with the greatest potential for ministry went back to their sin and lifestyle. You say, well, why? Why does that happen? 
Let me explain to you. The devil's strategy is the same strategy that Pharaoh had. A couple of weeks ago, a friend called me and said, Hey, let's go fishing. I said, Yeah, let's go. It's my day off. I want to relax. I said, Hey, let's go fishing. But he says, Let's change it up. I said, Uh oh. I'm used to fishing ocean only, deep, big fish. But he says, Let's go to the Everglades tonight. I said, Everglades, night? Okay. <laughs> he said, but bring, bring a big rod. I said, for the Everglades? Let me tell you, the water, six feet. Not 200, like I'm used to, six feet. A little canal. So it was my friend and this random old dude in the Everglades. That should have been a warning sign, but I was just hanging out with him too. And when I walked in through that trail in the Everglades, this old, scary-looking, murderer-type old man said, you're going fishing right now? I said, yeah. Oh, you're going to get one of them monsters. I said, monsters? Here? And he said, oh, yeah. And my friend looks at me and he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, where have you taken me? And he said, oh, you see this little canal, this little tiny canal? There's some big, he elongated it, some big tarpon. And tarpon is my favorite fish. There it is right now. Tarpon, that's my favorite fish to fight. Tarpons get over eight feet. And these fish right here, they'll fight you for hours. So, this old man says, just grab your rod. Let the line loose. Just let it loose. He'll come. See, that's what, what the devil does. The devil says, you'll come back. And the devil loves to use what I use. This is, this is a mono line here. It's clear. So that the fish knows there's no strings attached. Are you hearing me? Satan wants to convince you that the sin you're in comes with no strings attached. And there's a strategy behind my fishing. I know exactly what type of fish I want, what they desire, so I know what to throw out. See, the devil knows you. And he knows maybe for you it's not lust, but it's money. Or maybe for you it's not money, but it's loneliness. I know how to get you. And he first has to convince you that there's no strings attached. So as I threw that line out there, Minutes later, he took it. Huge tarpon. In the Everglades. Can't give you my spot. Don't ask me after church. <laughs> and when he hooked it, I had to do one thing and one thing only to know. I got him. A little button here that's called drag. So I just set the drag. And what happens is it begins to drag and drag and drag. So what happens is for over 20 minutes, it's just going and it's going and it's going and it's going and he's going and going and going. And you know what I'm doing? Nothing. Just sitting there, going. <laughs> and it's dragging and dragging and dragging. And there comes a point he gets tired. And that's when I turn off the drag and I reel him back in. You see, that's what Satan does. You know, we say all the time he's the tempter, and he is. 
and he wants to rule you with sin and convince you there's no strings attached. And I get that, and we get hooked. But what I want to know is why is it we stay hooked? Huh? Why do we stay hooked in bondage? Why do we stay hooked on depression? Why do we stay hooked in our sin? And it's simple. Because the devil has a drag system as well. And he says, you know what? I got you hooked. But you're not going to get far. So you're going to church. You're praying. You're reading your Bible. You're fellowship with believers. You're joining ministries. You're doing all of that. And all along you're going and you're going and you're going. And the devil knows once you get tired, I'm just going to reel you back in. You'll be back. See the devil right now this morning you woke up and he said, go to church. Pray. Behave in front of Pastor David. Go ahead. Go to counseling. Do it all. But when it's over, I'll have you again. You'll be back. We stay hooked. Because the reason I set the drag is because my strategy to catch this fish is to convince him he's not hooked. And in order to convince him he's not hooked, I have to let him go. So what happens is the devil tries to convince you you're not hooked. You're you're okay. You can quit that when you want. You can fix that when you want. You can stop that when you want. And the devil lets you go. He lets, he gets, sets the drag. He lets you go. And so you go to church and you pray and you read your Bible. You're with your family. You're doing all of that. But after a while you get tired and the devil gets you back. It gets you back. There's a lot of movement too. Man, that fish jumped out of the water and that fish splashed and he was moving, but he was still hooked. See, it triggers me when, when I'm in a, in a service or a conference or something and, and someone says, oh, there's a movement of God in this place. Oh, and someone said to me once, Oh, Pastor, do you believe today there's a mighty move of God? And I said, No. What? I don't believe that. Oh, there's a movement of, of great worship and singing. There's a lot of prayer going on. There's books being written. There's concerts being sung. There's podcasters, everything. But that doesn't mean there's a movement. There might be a lot of movement, but if there was a lot of movement going on, why are we still in bondage? If there's a movement of God, why are we still hooked? If there's a movement of God in the United States, why is suicide at all time high? If there is a movement of God in Miami, why are we the second most depressed city in the nation? If there is a movement of God, why are several thousands of churches closing every month? If there is a movement, why is divorce so high? If there is a movement, why are pastors quitting the ministry? If there is a movement, why are 90% of young people in college not returning to church? Because there might be a lot of moving going on, but there's no freedom. And the devil's just reeling you back. So you go back to your sin after church is over. You go back to your bondage. And the devil's just there at home saying, How was church today? And you sound real good. Oh, and when you hugged someone and said, God bless you, what was that about? That sounded real Christian. 
And then Sunday comes. Oh, oh, go back. Go. Go. Just don't go too far. I want to know that I still have you hooked. Do you see the strategy Satan uses now? You're not getting very far with God. Even though you move a lot with Him, you're still stuck. You're still hooked. And maybe you're tired. You're tired saying, Pastor, I've been in debate of Satan. I know that I worship and I pray and I go to church, but I know that the devil just brings me back. And I pray and I tell God sorry and I repent and I say, I'm not going to do it anymore. And, and for a while, I, I go far from it, but then I don't go very far because I come back. So I come back to my anger. I come back to my lust and immorality. I come back to my sin. And the devil all along just laughs. Because he says, go. Go give your sacrifices. Go worship to God. And in a sarcastic way like Pharaoh, go and pray for me. But she'll be back. You have to be close today. You're saying, Pastor, I'm tired. I've fallen into this strategy. I go, but I don't go very far. And the devil brings me back. And my whole life feels like a drag. And I'm going to leave church today, but I know by Wednesday I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back in my sin. I'm going to be back in that bondage, that burden, that oppression. I'm going to be back and I'm tired. I'm tired of praying, saying, God, I'm sorry. Help me, fix me, I repent. I'm tired of going to the altar, saying this is the last time. I'm tired of worshiping, but knowing that there's no freedom in my life. See, are you tired of that? See, there comes a point that I let that fish go and go and go. And he gets so tired. And when he's tired is when I get him back. It's when you're tired that the devil goes on the attack. That's why when the disciples were tired and they fell asleep, Jesus warned them of the devil. Because the devil gets you when you're tired. But in order for the devil to get you tired, he needs to let you go and come back. Go and come back. Go and pray you're sorry. But do it again by Monday. Go and repent. But then go. Come back. Tell God this is the time you're leaving it. But then stay in it. Tell God you're going to break up with them. But stay with them. Say, God, this is the last time I do this sin. But you're going to do it again. I'm going to bring you back. Just don't go far. The devil doesn't want you getting far. Because he knows if you do get far, there comes a point he can't touch you. You get so far with God. You get so far with Jesus. You get so in love with him that whatever the devil tries to do, you resist. And he throws every lure at you, but you see the string. There are so many people in the church that claim to have a movement of God, but the hook is still there. So when it's all over, it brings you back. Because Phil just said, let's wear them out. Let's get them tired because if they get tired, they're going to stop trying. They're going to stop fighting. And some of you, I know, my spirit is telling me, you're tired. And you want to stop the fight. 
and you want to give up because you're telling God, I haven't gotten very far and I'm still hurt. And the devil loves this because he knows when you're tired, ultimately you're going to give up. to do was get so tired that he would give up. And he did. He went far, but once he got tired and he realized in his little fishy mind, I'm not going to get this hook off. Sometimes I'm not going to get this off me anymore. I'm never going to change. I'm never going to walk in freedom. I'm just going to give up. And when you're tired and you give up, the devil just brings you in. See, Pharaoh, he wanted Moses to compromise. He said, you go, worship, sacrifice. Just don't go far. Can we agree on that? What if today you've made that arrangement with the devil and you don't know it? What if today you're compromising your integrity? You've compromised your standards for godly living. You've compromised with sin and immorality. You've compromised with this world and you've told the devil, I'll go to church, I'll pray, I'll worship, but I'll be back. Because the Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve two masters. You will either love one or hate the other. There comes a point that you're back and forth with God and the devil that you get so tired that ultimately you never come back to God. You're not as devoted to him anymore. Because there's only a matter of time that you get tired. And all it takes is a compromise. And once you're hurt, you can go to church. You can worship in the house of God. Because the devil knows you're not going to get far. You'll be back. Samson compromised. It's just one night in Gaza. It's just one night with Delilah. I'm just going to lay on her lap. I'm not going to do nothing. And he woke up, bound, bald, and in bondage. Solomon compromised. It's just one immoral woman from Egypt. It's just one. That one turned to a thousand. That thousand led him astray, turned his heart from God. And the man that once sacrificed so much that the altar began to collapse, never sacrificed to God again. Peter just compromised. It's just one group of people in the fire. I'm cold. I want to warm myself up in this fire. And it was there where he denied Jesus three times. Adam just compromised. Well, she is my wife. God did give it to me. Maybe this just once. David compromised. It's just this once, there's no strings attached. But once the hook came, they kept serving God. They kept praying. They kept worshiping. But they were back and forth. Until they got tired. Until today. You're saying, Pastor, I'm tired. I've seen this strategy in my life. I'm hooked. I tell God I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't go too far and I, I come right back to it. Can I tell you what you need to do today? If you're hooked, I want to tell you the truth. I lost that fish two hours. Two eternal hours fighting 
Let him go, bring him in. Let him go, bring him in. Let him go, bring him in. And there came a point I was cocking. I said, oh, I got him. Oh, there he goes. I got him this time. There he goes. Oh, he's tired now. And this, this tarpet just came up. Tired. Hooked in his mouth. And as I had him hooked, he was just there. He just stopped swimming. I was getting the camera ready. I said, man, should I mount him? He's nice. I was, I was getting ready to bag him. And there he was. Giving up. He said, well, pastor, how'd you lose him? He made one more move. One more move. I, ne I never saw coming. Smart. I'm coming back for him. He made one move that I said, oh, oh, he's good. He stopped fighting. And he allowed himself to sink to the bottom. And I said, what you doing there? And a minute later, he breaches the water, shakes so hard that I got so tired. And I knew that he went off again. I said, I can't do this anymore. And you know what I did? I said, cut the line! Cut it! And I cut the line and I let him free because I knew I couldn't get him. And that's what resisting the devil looks like. And when the devil looks at you and says, cut the line, I can't get her anymore. I can't get him anymore. Because two people get tired, either you or the devil. And when I cut the line, I went to the old crazy psycho murder guy and I said, What happened? And he said, Oh, you don't know. I said, What? He said, Oh, he got you good. I said, Yeah, but how? Oh, he got you real good. How? Well, the truth is, you had him good. You had him. But you see, when he stopped fighting, he was playing a trick on you. Because as you thought he was dead and he sank to the bottom, what you didn't know is at that bottom, there, there's a strong current. He did this, that strong current. And that current went through those gills and gave him enough oxygen to re-strengthen himself. And when he got that strength, boy, he just got up again. You were never going to catch him. And said, you didn't tell me this two hours ago. And that was funny, right? But then I realized, I said, oh, that's how you get free from the devil. You stop fighting. Stop telling God, I'm going to stop. You're not going to stop. Just stop fighting it. And get to a place that you rely on a whole other source of power. To give you the strength that you didn't have before. To overcome the hook that's in your mouth right now. And when that fish just went to the bottom, it's a symbol of humility when you get down with God and you say, God, I can't. I try to shake this off. I try to come free from this, but I can't. And God says, I know you can't. And you're tired of the going and the coming back and the going with the devil and back. But if you would just rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and stop in your own flesh fighting the sin that's in your life. 
and humble yourself before the Lord. He will give you such a supernatural strength that you will be free to the point that the devil says, cut the line. I can't get them anymore. And I'm tired of trying. Let's go to someone else. We're done with him. We're done with her. With every head bowed and every eye closed today. I want you to take a moment with the Lord. Are you playing this game with God? As Satan have, does this devil have a drag on you right now? That you're in church, you're worshiping, but he knows and you know you're going back. You'll be back, I got you. And there's some hooks you're trying to shake off. But you can't. Let's all stand to our feet today. Every head bow, every eye closed today. Some of you have come to this church tired. Thank God, I'm tired. I want to give up. I haven't gotten very far. I go to church every Sunday. I pray every day. I read my Bible. I do the best I can, but I'm not going very far. And when I think I'm making progress, it's like I come right back. And in the room today, there's a spirit of bondage. It's sadness, and you just want to give up. But God has a promise for you. And it doesn't matter how many generations have gone through what you've gone through. Or how comfortable you've gotten with that sin. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And you can make a choice today to humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, I can't. And I need your strength. Because I fell into the devil's strategy. And I'm going back and forth with compromise. But today is the day, Lord, that hook gets cut. Help me to hate that sin. To shake it off once and for all. Help me, Lord, and give me the strength to resist the devil so he flees. In Jesus' name, Father, open up the hearts today. For the men and women here today, and the children and teenagers here today that are back and forth in lives of drag. For the people that worship you on Sunday, but Monday they're back. For the people that pray, but on by the midweek, they're back. For the people that flood the altars and say, Lord, never again, but tomorrow they do it again. Father, for those that are convinced they cannot go far, for those who are tired and weary, for those right now that are convinced the devil has you today, it's a day you humble yourself before God and you say, Lord, I can and I need your strength. Because it's only in the power of the Holy Spirit that depression and anger and lust and discontentment and bad habits and addiction and suicide dies. You want to see a real movement? Humble yourself before God. Stop playing these games of compromise. And surrender your life to Jesus once and for all. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm done with compromise. And I need a supernatural strength that can only come from God to overcome those things that have been overcoming me. And I am tired of going but not getting far. And I'm tired. And I want to give up. But Lord, I'm going to give you one more shot. But I'm going to do it your way now. And the devil will flee in the name of Jesus. 
that's you here today, you come to this altar. I want to open up this altar before we dismiss. There's no shame. Well, Pastor, if I go forward, people are going to know we're all in bondage. Come on, can I get an amen there? There's all something. So as we worship one last time to close, you come to this altar today. You give your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I have Jesus, but I also have a hook. I want to pray for you as well. Because right now, the Lord is ready to set you free. This won't be another prayer, another altar call. This is where you make the decision to humble yourself and confess before the Lord that you can't. Father, as we worship and open this altar, open the hearts of those today that have not gotten very far, that are back and forth. And Father, set them free to a point that the devil tries to get them back like Pharaoh did. But you destroy them. To the point that we hate the sin that we're doing. In Jesus' name. If you're tired, you're weary, you come to this altar. God bless you.